Welcome to Red Wine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not-so-favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Miller, and with me today is Rebecca Sassmagat, who seems to dislike all of the books she's chosen so far. But hey, it's her choice, not mine. Before we start, I should warn you that we do spoil the endings of the books we review, so if you don't like that, then please go finish this book and come right back to this episode. But if you're just here for the fun-loving and sometimes heated conversation, then welcome, we're so glad you're here. Whether you want to read one, none, or all of these books, the choice is up to you. But to remind you, these reviews are not backed by any science or experience, just purely two opinionated amateur readers. You may hate the books we love or love the books we hate. Everyone has different tastes, but we hope this podcast is fun to listen to no matter how you like your books. You can tell us your opinions and your hot takes of these books on our Instagram and TikTok at rwreadspodcast. That's at R-W-R-E-A-D-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. So without further ado, let's pull some corks and get reading. This week we read Stargazer by Lori Petrow. Welcome back to uh, Red Wine Reads. I'm so glad that you decided to return. What up? Thank you. Thank you for having me as always. Happy to be here. (laughs) Happy to be here. Just here. This was an interesting week. This was an interesting week. I feel so bad. All of the books that I'm choosing, they're not very good. Yeah, well, yeah, well, we'll get into um, we'll get into the nitty gritty of this one. But uh, to, to start off, we read uh, this week, we read Stargazer by Laurie. Petro, is that how you say it? Petro? And yeah, we'll get into a few quick facts before we get started. So this book was published in 2022. I think it was September 2022. So fairly recent book. It received a 3.8 out of 5 on Goodreads. And then, so it's like pretty average rating on Goodreads. Uh, so about uh, Laurie Petro, Petru? Petrow? I think it's like it's gotta be French. Well, she's she's a doctor, Dr. Laurie. Uh, she is an associate professor of media production at Toronto Metropolitan University. She is a very smart lady and she kind of specializes in creative writing, which makes sense. And her debut novel that she wrote called Sister of Mine was the inaugural winner of the half half the world global literary literacy award. So I don't know really what that means, but it won awards and it was like in one of the, like, the top one. 100 lists in um, Canada. She also had another book that came out after that that also got put on that one top 100 list. So Stargazer is her fourth novel. She's kind of a seasoned writer, has had a lot of success. So anyways, I think, yeah, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. We are recording this at like 1.30 p.m. on Super Bowl Sunday. So let's go, Rihanna. Let's go. <laughs> let's go, Rihanna. I can't wait. I'm on Rihanna's team. And I don't know what you're drinking, but I'm drinking peppermint tea. I'm drinking water. Pretty hard. So let's get into it. Stargazer. So we have our main characters here. We have uh, Diana and Arel, who are kind of our two main gals. Is that how you pronounce her name? I That's how they were pronouncing it. Yes, Arel. So when I read it, I kept reading it as Ariel, but I, that doesn't work. Um, and so it's Arel. Must be French. It must be a Canadian thing because Canadian French. Probably. Probably. We'll just call her Ariel. Yeah, we're in it. We're in it too far. We're in it too deep. So uh, we have Diana and Ariel. They are living together in this cabin, going to a school that is just across the lake. And they're both coming from wealthy families. Diana just comes from a family of money. And then Ariel comes from a family where 
her mother is a famous fashion designer. So they have a lot of money. They grew up as neighbors, but didn't really become friends until kind of later on in their lives, like in later on in their high school lives, because Diana's brother ends up passing away and he was kind of close to one of Ariel's brothers and then ends up Ariel's mother, Marianne, the famous designer was like, hey, why don't you just like go invite Diana over and become friends with her? And she's like, yeah, sure. And then they became friends because they bonded over Ariel's tough decision that she got pregnant and needed to get an abortion. So Diana helped her through that tough time and they were kind of bonded for life after that. Trauma bonding? Yes. I mean, that's kind of more or less how we became friends. Yeah, we trauma bonded over workplace, uh, toxic workplace environment. So that's quite fun. Those are pretty much the characters. We have Grace, who is Diana's professor at this college who kind of, uh, you know, sees Diana as this protege. Grace and Marianne went to college together and Marianne always thought Grace was jealous of her and of her success. And then, you know, having Diana rise to fame was kind of Grace's see, I can do this to Marianne. Is there any other character I'm missing? Ariel's friend. What was her name? Taylor or something like that? Rachel? There was like Noah who kind of came in at the end. Yeah, Noah was kind of like a throwaway character. Yeah. So here is the summary from Amazon. So summer 1995, Diana and Ariel are inseparable, living together in Diana's parents' cottage on the edge of Rocky Barron's university campus, about to start freshman year. The strength of their bond is undeniable, if unexpected. Diana is a highly ambitious, socially awkward art student, while Ariel is a more likable, more fragile literature student and the daughter of a famous artist Marianne Taylor. Plus, despite having lived next door to each other their whole lives, the girls only have grown close in the last 12 months. As the college year progresses, their relationship becomes increasingly unstable, as do the girls themselves, threatening to unravel due to intense feelings and complicated circumstances that underlie their bond. Yet the biggest threat is posed by a secret one girl is keeping. 12 months? I guess I didn't realize it was in that short of time before they went to college together. Yeah. That's kind of bizarre. Like when you think about 12 months, it's only a year. Like that's not a long time to create like this like freaky like too intertwined relationship yeah i feel like with high school two things move so fast and everything is so serious and so important to high schoolers oh my god and then like you go to college and i feel like if you're going with your friend and living secluded in the woods i feel like it's bound to ramp up your relationship. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about it that way. To high schoolers, it's like what you're going through is literally like everything and the only thing. Oh, 100%. I guess that kind of, okay, I have just like so much to say. I'm like, I don't know where to even start. Really? I feel it. Okay, good. Because I don't I don't have much to say about this book. I'm going to start with the things I didn't like because I want to end on a good note. With this book, I think one of the big things I did not like is it kept describing itself. Like I would see reviews and I would see even on like the Amazon page, it says it's a darkly compelling coming of age thriller perfect for fans of Donna Tartt's The Secret History or Leanne Moriarty's Big Little Lies. So first of all, that's just the most incorrect thing I've ever read in my life. Thank you. Um, Because I thought the exact same thing. And also, I just want to like point out and if you're a listener of this podcast and you know have listened to a few episodes now you know that I am a huge fan of Donna Tartt's Secret History like that is literally one of my favorite books and I always bring it up and I always compare things to this I would have never thought to compare this book to that because it is on a completely different level absolutely not so first of all I don't think it's that I also don't think I guess like the end is a thriller but it's like it doesn't feel very thriller-esque leading up 
up to the end. I am totally fine with a good thriller, but it's like half of the thriller is like the buildup and the suspense and the, oh my gosh, like what is going to happen? Like you really only get that in the last like 50 pages Maybe. Yeah, I was going to say like that's 25 pages. <laughs> and I was like, it's not dark. Even when the climax of the book happens at the end 20 pages of the book, even then it's kind of more of just like, you're just like, huh? Rather than like, oh my God, it's happening. Uh, like there's... Like even when it's happening, you're like, this isn't very dark. I, I wrote that too. I was like, it felt like it was, it felt like the whole book was trying to build up to something. But like once it, like once you kind of figured out what it was trying to build up to, you're like, okay, that's not what I wanted. But that's what I got is I got freaking Diana just whacking Ariel across the face with a paddle. Like that is like the worst. I don't know. And, and you know, it's going to happen because they're going out and, you know, they took a bunch of shrooms and they smoked a bunch of weed and they were just like, okay, let's go out on a freaking canoe in the port pouring rain. And yeah, of course, something bad is going to happen. So freaking predictable. I think I would have appreciated more because the whole book was like super interpersonal built on like their connection and their tension. I think I would just rather have read like a really good dialogued screaming match where they just got everything out. And by the time they got back to shore, they either were like, all right, now that everything is in the open and everything is good, we can figure it out. Or it's just like, I guess we're done now. So I I wish I just would have read like really good, a really good dialogue, 10 pages of sick dialogue where they just got everything out. You could like hear the screaming in your brain as you're reading it. Yes. So there's a, um, this remind that reminds me of, uh, like, uh, Taylor Jenkins, Jenkins reads, uh, Malibu rising. Say what you will about that book. Some people did not like it, but some people did, but they have this whole big old party going on and you think some shit's going to happen with the party. Like you think that's, what's going to set this book off. Cause it's a crazy party. Everyone's doing drugs. Everything's going but the big climax of the book is this family meeting their estranged dad on the beach and having a screaming match with him and like letting it like letting it go and that's like the best part because you have like this person who's been like holding in all these feelings and finally she's the one to just like pound into this guy that was not what this book was and I almost feel like I, I also wrote I feel like Diana's character arc was like so predictable and you're like you know it's gonna freaking happen and I feel like it would have been better here are my brainstorms of how this book could have been better and uh, coming from somebody who's never written a book coming from someone who is not a published author. So take with that what you will, but just hear me out. So I think that when they kind of touched on Diana's ability to mimic Ariel's voice, like kind of right at the beginning. And then as she, you know, answers the phone, I'm like, okay, well, what if, what if Diana kills Ariel and pretends that she's still alive by like mimicking her voice in, in phone calls with her mom? What if that happens? And then her mom shows up and like Ariel's dead. Crazy. Or what if they're out in the boat and Diana's like realizing, oh God, I, you know, I hit a wall. I'm not going to be able to go on from this. Ariel or myself have to go. And then Diana yeets herself. And then Ariel is left there and they think Ariel killed her because of, oh my God, you were doing all these paintings of me. Honestly, that would have been really good if Ariel just got even more dicked than she already has been. Okay. Anyways, but I'm just like, with all that said, like the fact that I was brainstorming different ways of how this could end, it makes the ending of this book very predictable. Didn't love it. I feel like it was just very forced. I do. I, th- I think like it was like we need this book to end in like a crazy way. So why don't we just like kill someone? And then that was kind of how it felt. And it didn't feel like it, there was a whole lot of thought 
the lead up to this book and like the lead up of the actual relationship between Diana and Ari- Ariel is like fascinating and it's weird and it's creepy and you're kind of like, I kind of like it. And then it just kind of like, it's all thrown out the window at the very end. I know. Cause I liked how I liked their relationship. I liked that part where it was like borderline, like strange. Like you're like, this is kind of strange, but at the same time, kind of referencing back to what we were talked about in a certain hunger about a woman's relationship with another woman, like a friendship, you can relate. Like as a woman reading this book, you're like, I understand how it got to this point. Like, especially at their age, especially with their circumstances. And it takes it that next step where you're just like, like you understand, but like you need a little bit more to like follow along. And I liked how everything was kind of like under wraps, like on the DL, like nothing was like in the air, nothing was on the open, but then it just, they revealed her art and things weren't on the DL anymore. Like things were opening up more, but I felt like it should have just been like the floodgates opened, like and everything got out in the open. But I felt like you were expecting things to unravel and things were still behind closed doors the entire book. You never got that satisfaction of everything kind of like spilling out at the end. Even when she killed her, things were still like very like shut up, closed, sealed and secured. Like the whole book was just like two under wraps the whole time that it felt almost like you're just kind of like. It felt like there needed to be something like some release and there was no release. It just built up, built up, built up, built up, built up. And then it was like, no, I get it. If that's like the whole reason for the book. But if you're going to have a murder scene. I didn't get satisfaction out of it. I feel like that too. I feel like also the fact that she was trying to like kind of go back in time and come back to the present and then go back in time and come back to the present. I felt like that was just like very choppy and like wasn't done in like a very well thought out way, in my opinion. See, it's so funny because for A Certain Hunger, last episode that we did, it totally ticked me off. Like it was my least favorite part of the book, but this one, it didn't bother me. I wonder if it's because I was like used to it because I came right out of that. It didn't really bother me as much because I liked the pre-story better because when they would always lead back to the pre-story, I'm like, oh, thank God, like something actually interesting has happened. I don't care about the whole campus storyline. I don't care about the campus. I don't care about the hut. Like, I feel like they put so much emphasis on this campus, but I cared about Diana's home more. The author made such a big deal about the Rocky Barnes and how it was more like camp than college. And they lived in their own cabin and they had to row across the lake. And while I felt that they really like hammered that home. Like, I got it. I understand what's going on. At the same time, I feel like she didn't use it. She was just kind of like explaining where they were at in hopes of that you can get immersed without actually immersing you. I I think there's this big push for this like dark academia type novel right now. So I think like you're trying to push for this like kind of creepy, kind of weird, unique school and like this weird relationship. But I just don't think it fit. It didn't have a role here. And I think like if you're going to do that, you may as well just start with the school and not start with the homes. Because I think the homes were a really good representation of the juxtaposition between the two families. And every time one would go over to the other and it was a good balance of environment rather than kind of like having these two worlds collide in one one campus, but they weren't always on campus. Like they also shared a home. Like they shared the cabin. So they had like the cabin and then they had like the campus, but it was kind of the same thing. Again, like I feel like she didn't use the environment of this like crazy wacky place well enough that it benefited the story. Like it just kind of felt like 
Okay, yeah, I get it. Like, they're on a campsite. Yeah, and it's like, they kept alluding to having Marianne in her, like, secret cabin. And then, like, did nothing with that. And so I'm like, what if Marianne's just hiding a body in there and nobody freaking knows? Was it Marianne? I thought it was Diana's cabin. Diana's family's cabin. So they both have homes, but they both have cabins in this lake. But... The Taylors only use this cabin for Marianne's like work. It's like her artist studio. Honestly, Marianne was my favorite character in the book. Oh. I thought Marianne was a boss bitch. She was getting shit done. Like I get why Ariel's messed up. Like I get why she, her trauma. But at the same time, it's like Marianne, she just kind of messed up. Like it's fine. Like she just messed up a little bit about making her daughter too much of like the center of attention. But at the same time, it's like Ariel never came out and said, can you stop this? This is ridiculous. So I was like, her mom thought she would liked it. Like her mom was getting stuff done. Like she was being creative. She went to college for a year. She didn't realize it was right. She got a career. She's like opened her home to these children. Like she's being like supportive of her kids. Like she's like a true like loving mother. I don't know if I'm seeing it through like the lens of like Diana seeing like this perfect family. But even when we saw her like not as perfect, she's an adult. She's like got her own problems, but she's being a boss bitch. <laughs> I don't want to tell you. I love Marianne. I th- she was my favorite character for sure. Yeah, I liked her too. I mean, I just, I thought Ariel's like reaction to everything was just like a little bit, what? I mean, I understood it. I don't know. And going off of that, I think Ariel's addiction was like zero to a hundred. And I had no idea when it started. I mean, like, I understand why she fell into addiction. I understand like the background of it, but it was just kind of like at one point it just switched gears of like, oh, she's drunk every night and high every night. See, that was probably the most like understandable thing. Once you're in like that environment and once your brain clicks onto something that like you like, it's game over. Like I totally understood her addiction. And I thought that was actually like one of my favorite storylines about Ariel because that's such, it's a, such a common thing that happens with kids going to college. They get all this freedom. They have all this trauma that they're bringing with them. It's super stressful. They're not fitting in and they, they find drugs and alcohol and they're like, this rocks. Like, this is sick. This makes my life exponentially easier. And that's how like addiction truly starts is like those weak times where you find out that like drugs and alcohol are sick and they, you think that they help your situation, but they're really so detrimental. That I thought was the most like realistic storyline out of the whole book. It was like those little bits of Marianne not being a perfect mom, but like trying her best. And then like Ariel's like college addiction. Those were like the storylines that made me realize like, okay, this book isn't as far-fetched. See, that's interesting. I think me being the party animal that I was in college who actually um, only went to one real college party, drank a Diet Coke and went home. I did not connect with that, but it's good to like hear your POV from that because I was, I felt like it was sudden, but that actually is how quickly it happens. It's like just like a few weekends and then boom, there you are. Yep. Because she was in this like area in life where she was she only had one friend and so she was already so isolated and her friend was isolating her and she was so awkward because she's rich and people don't want to talk to her or only talk to her because of her mom and she only loosened up when she did a bunch of drugs smoked a lot of weed and drank a lot of alcohol so it's like yeah why would you not keep doing that over and over and over again because in your brain that's like a positive like connection that you're making so i thought that was like 
interesting because at first you're like, oh, like, Ariel, let's go. Let's party, girl. Like, let's go. Like, it's funny. Like, you're opening up. You're making friends. But then you realize how quickly that it just absolutely destroys your entire life. I actually have a quote. Yeah, this was like the only quote that I pulled from this book. But it said they were young. They were beautiful. They were in the middle of a sexual awakening. And they were in the woods with all manner of young bodies, drug, music, booze, and opportunities. I feel like that describes Ariel's... This is bad wording about this, but like come to Jesus moment in a way of like, oh, this is how I connect with people at the school. I can roll with the punches when I'm drunk and I'm high, but I can't roll with the punches when I'm not. Like they had this like weird, like hinting to the idea of, or alluding, that's the word I'm thinking of. They allude this sexual tension between Diana and Ariel. And it's like, all right, they either need to do it or they, you need to relax. I, I, the weird, like, almost alluding to, like, sexual tension the whole entire book was really strange because they're basically minors. Like, they, they're freshly not minors. So you're just kind of like, this is a little strange. But it's just like, all right, you need to either, like, bite the bullet and go full, like, sexual awakening. Or you need to just relax. Like, it's all good. Like, two female characters in a book don't need to have a sexual awakening. Like, it's so fine. Women can interact, like, physically without being sexual at all. Like, it can happen. It is possible. I agree. I think it maybe was coming from the view, like, at least I read it as a view almost as, like, Diana grooming her, Ariel. But it's also, like, I don't think Diana had enough life experience to groom someone. I'm like, I don't know. It felt, it felt weird. It felt like, yeah, again, that was part of the build up that didn't lead to anything. Exactly. And it's like, oh, sexual awakening. Oh, like they were too close. What, what do you mean by this? What do you mean? Like, what exactly are you trying to imply? Nothing unraveled. So it's like, okay, I would rather you just not do it all. Like, don't do it at all. If you're not going to just do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want it to happen eventually, but if it's not going to happen eventually, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's like a horror storyline, if it's a sexual awakening, if it's murder or whatever. If it's not going to happen at the end of the book, just don't do it at all. It didn't add to the book to me. I 100% agree. I felt like I was going to end on something positive, but I'd be like, I, I will say this. I will say that the writing in it was like the description of each place was really good. And like the description of like each character and how like their hair fell and how the like makeup would smudge across the back of their hand, like of Diana's hand when she took it off her lips. Like I think like that type of description was really good in this book. And like, I can really picture the cabin. I can really picture the lake. I can really picture kind of what's going on. So like I was put there and then they didn't give me anything. I was like, I am here. Just let me have something. It's very descriptive in a unique way without being pretentious. And I do really enjoy that kind of writing. So I did really enjoy that about this book because I was able to be put in the scene really well, the way I like to be put in a scene. So I will give that to her. I did enjoy reading the book, but I think the storyline of it, like the through line of the story, I just rather, I would rather just read her describing. Well, let's get into our final ratings. I gave it a two out of five. I really just, I just really didn't like this book. I just thought, I thought there are so many people doing it better and it wasn't like unique enough that it set itself apart from something to be like, oh, like it's doing its own thing. It just like, it felt like it was trying to copy something else that just like, it didn't quite hit. 
I think that the description was beautiful, but like, I think that's why Don DeTarte's books are 500 pages is because you're describing, but you're also spending time with the storyline. And so I feel like this was just description. And then the storyline was kind of just shoved it, shoved down your throat and like trying to like squeeze it in there, which yeah, if you were just going to stick to the description, I think it would have been like a freaking knockout book. Like if you just would have like stuck to these, just this weird relationship between these two girls and had everything just like come to light in a screaming match at the very end, I think that would have been almost better. So I just think the murder just didn't, it didn't fit the rest of the book. And it just kind of like threw me out. And I was just, I didn't have a release. You know, I didn't feel satisfied after reading this book. And that was kind of my biggest thing. I would say same. Mine was a two. Okay. Maybe 2.5 because we just talked about how good the description was, but I uh, I just didn't think it was good enough, especially being for her fourth book. I'm curious to know what her other books are like, if they're kind of the same or if they're better, but I think this book was just really weak. That's a good way to put it. It was weak. Okay. Well, going into pairings. Uh, we like to end our show with a segment called Pairings, where we pick TV shows, movies, other books, and drinks that might pair well to, with today's book. Or in this case, that did this better. <laughs> Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? I'll go first. Um, the only pairing that I couldn't... Uh, I'm really struggling with movies and TV shows because I don't watch movies and I don't want TV shows. So for the drink, I did Jameson Irish whiskey, of course. Just straight up highball. Because, you know, that's what they drank. And then as like a fun little additive, I added a hippie flipping in there, which is taking acid and mushrooms, which is what they did at the end when they took the robot out. It's called hippie flipping. So I added that. I thought that was fun. A movie I chose was The Roommate. Just because the whole trope of someone's jealous of the other, they want to become them. This one, the movie is obviously like a horror movie. So they probably, you know, do that better than the book. Um, and the, But the book that I chose was one that I've read before, and I think this book is fantastic. Like, if you like the storyline of two friends becoming too close and things get weird, it's called Others, Other People's Clothes by Kala Henkel. It's about two friends who are in college. They're studying abroad in Berlin. Crazy city to live in when you're on your own for the first time, living it up. There's clubs, there's drugs, there's parties. Um, it's these two girls who live together. One of them wants to become like famous, no matter what the cost. Like she is down to do anything. So they throw parties in their apartment to basically become famous. So it's the main character and this girl who's just like, will do anything to be famous. And they're living in Berlin and they're struggling. And like this main character creates this like weird attachment to this girl. And it's very well done. It's very well done. It like has a suspense the whole time and you get a good release and you get the you get the goods. So if you like this book and you wish it had like a little bit extra oomph to it, other people's clothes. This this was a book that really like pushed me over the edge to make me want to go visit Berlin. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's exciting. Those are great pairings. So honestly, the TV show was hard for me too. So anyways, mine's kind of a stretch, but we're, we're going to go with it anyways. So my drink was actually a very fancy and very dirty martini because I felt like that just feels like rich 
and like a very murky kind of look to it. I just feel like that that's what this this felt like. Um, so a TV show I did Behind Her Eyes. So this is a book about this woman. She has an affair with this man and actually becomes friends with his wife. So like she's having an affair with this man, but like is friends with her wife and like starts to realize like the wife's kind of a little weird, a little crazy. But then it's like, wait, is the husband actually the crazy one? And then there's like this enormous twist at the end that you did not see coming. The acting's not the best, but it's just good. It's just good. You just want to know what happens at the very end. Um, and you're kind of like, you have the main character who's kind of lying about herself and like, you know, what she's doing. And it's like, oh, it's okay. It's fine. And so it's like a little morality kind of check with this book. And then my book, I have two. So I did Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng. You kind of have that complicated mother-daughter relationship trope. You also kind of have this like adoptive mother where it's like this friend goes over to somebody else's house and like that and is trying to seek the motherly love that they're not getting at home from this other woman. So like they kind of have that as well in this book. And then my other book was Verity by Colleen Hoover. So here's the thing. I haven't read any other of the Colleen Hoover books, so I cannot speak to what those are like. But Verity is a thriller. And I think that that I think Verity is like one of my favorite thrillers of all time. It's like very good. The twist at the end is absolutely shocking. And like, I did not see it coming because you think that you know what happened and then there's 50 pages left in the book and then it absolutely turns it on its head. So I think that book also plays to like the jealousy of like somebody wanting another life. It's not quite like friendship, but it's more of like career based. And then you have, you kind of have this person playing the role of somebody else and trying to fit into a life that isn't quite hers. And then the consequences of that. So, and then we have our movie. I, I've used this as a pairing before, but I feel like it fits really well in this one too, is A Simple Favor with Blake Lively and uh, Anna Kendrick. There's a twist. There's the other personality. There's the jealousy. There's kind of the taking over someone else's life, trying to pretend it's yours. And so I think... I think it fits. Okay, well, uh, unfortunate. <laughs> Sorry, Laurie. <laughs> so until next time, Rebecca. Jenna. It's been a pleasure. It has. And cheers. Well, that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked it, please go give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. If you want more book-related content, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at RW Reads Podcast. Again, that's at R-W-R-E-A-D-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at RW Reads Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all.